If you'll grab your copy of God's Word and make your way to the second book in the Bible, the book of Exodus and the fifth chapter. I am currently preaching through the book of Exodus with our church on Sunday morning. And then we have a Wednesday night service and I'm uh, preaching through the uh, fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 on Wednesday night. But we're enjoying our beginning of study of the book of Exodus. So I'm just going to let you know I'm a practitioner. I preach every Sunday to my church. And so I didn't come up with anything clever or new. Uh, This is something I recently preached to our church, and so I thought I would bring it this morning and and preach it to you because I hope it's going to be an encouragement to you. So if you found your place, Exodus chapter 5, I'm going to read the first nine verses, and uh, just to let you know, I'm going to move into chapter 6 and the beginning of chapter 7, so keep your Bible open and, and be ready to move along with me. Let's stand together and honor God's Word, and let me read for us Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 through verse number 9. I've labeled this message this morning, From Bad to Worse. What do you do when things go from bad to worse? Verse 1, Exodus chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they had made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. Let's pray. Bow with me if you would. Father, we bow before you this morning, acknowledging that you are our God. Thank you for salvation through Jesus. Thank you for a chance for us to sit under the Word of God. We don't stand above the Word of God. We don't stand equal with the Word of God. We humble ourselves under the Word of God and ask you to speak to us from it today. Lord, all of us in life are going to experience difficulty and hardship and things will go from bad to worse. So help us to know how to be faithful through the difficult times. And Lord, still bring glory to you. Still have joy in our life. So speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm sure that you're probably like me. You can remember times in your life when things just go from bad to worse. And you say to yourself, why not even bother to get up this morning? Things just go from bad to worse. Not too long ago, I was working in my yard and I jumped in my pickup truck to back up to my shop and I have one of those cameras. This is on the, in the truck right there at the dash. And so I looked and then there was nothing there. So I just gave it the gas and backed up and wham, I ran into a tree. And that was the start of a bad day. But I remembered, well, this is not my truck. And so things were bad, but things got worse quickly. Some time ago, I was thinking about when Jared, he don't want to tell this story, he and Kim had just gotten married and she was going to fix her hair. So she went to a hair salon with the hair schools to get her hair fixed and, and, um, and they turned it purple. So she called my wife and she said, look at my hair, it's purple. What do I do? 
She said, well, you need to go find somewhere else to fix it. So she went to a second hair school, and they turned it like black with white streaks in it. It looked like Crilla DeVille. I was looking for Dalmatians to show up anytime, and it was even worse than before. So sure enough, she goes to a different place, and after having so much product put in her hair, her hair looked like it was frizzy. It just kept going from bad to worse, bad to worse. You know, the great philosopher Forrest Gump said this, Mama said there'd be days like this. See, just because we love God and obey God and honor God and seek to live for God and do what God has for us to do doesn't mean things are going to turn out easy for us. Matter of fact, sometimes when you honor God and believe God and obey God and try to do what's right, sometimes things go from bad to worse. And that's exactly what's happening in the scriptures I read to you this morning. Moses and Aaron are obeying God. They're doing exactly what God would have them to do. They're speaking for God, representing God. The things just keep going from bad to worse, from bad to worse. Now, in the last part of the fourth chapter, Moses uh, and Aaron show up to speak to the elders of Israel. Moses has just come from the burning bush in the third chapter of the book of Exodus, and God's told him, I've heard the cry of my people, and I'm sending you to be my deliverer. Pick up your brother at Mount Sinai and show up and tell the elders of Israel that God has sent you to be the deliverer. So they do that. And you see in verse 31 of chapter 4, it says, so the people believed Moses. They said, Moses, Moses, he's our man. If he can't do it, nobody can. God has sent Moses to be our deliverer. Moses does the miracles with the rod that turns to a snake and his hand goes in and turns leprosy and brings it out and goes back in, turns clean, pours the water out, turns to blood. They believe Moses. They believe that God has sent Moses. Then it says in the last part of verse 31 of chapter 4, they bowed their heads, they worshiped the Lord. They knew that God was going to deliver them and bring them out of the land of bondage. Now Moses and the people evidently thought it was going to be an easy win. They imagined, they must have imagined that Moses is going to go stand before the Pharaoh and he's going to tell the Pharaoh, the great I am has sent me to tell you, let my people go. He's going to do those miracles with the rod and the leprosy and the blood and Pharaoh's going to say, well, God bless you. Let me open the gates and y'all just march out and be on your way to worship God and go to the land of Canaan. But that's not what happened at all. Moses shouldn't have been shot because God told Moses already before that Pharaoh is going to harden his heart. I'm going to harden his heart, and his heart's going to get hard. He's not going to let the people go. And I'm going to do all kinds of miracles in the land. I'm going to send plagues in the land, and after that, he will let the people go. So Moses was told that by God. So when Moses stands before the Pharaoh and says, let my people go, the Pharaoh says, verse 2, who is the Lord that I shall let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. That's true. He did not know the Lord. And I'm not going to let Israel go. That was the start of a very bad day for Moses, and it's going to go downhill from there. Now, Moses must have been thinking, well, maybe the Pharaoh didn't hear me. I'm going to try it again. So in verse 3, he says the very same thing to him. He says, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Uses a magic word, the word you tell your kids to use. Please let us go three days' journey in the desert. Let us worship the Lord lest he fall upon us with a pestilence or sword. So get, get the picture. Moses is God's man. He's got God's message. He says exactly what God has told him to say to the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh says, mm, nah, no, mm-mm. you're not going. I don't know your Lord. I don't know your God. And you're not going to leave 
on the land. And then he says this to him in verse number four. He says, why do you take the people away from their work? The people are many. The labor force is large, and they're supposed to be making bricks, and you want to go worship God three days into the wilderness? So Pharaoh says, if you have enough time to worship God, you have too much time, so I'm going to take up the time and decrease your margin so you haven't got time to worship God. You know, Satan's the same way today. He doesn't want you to have time to worship God. He doesn't want you to have time to read your Bible. He doesn't want you to have time to pray or share the gospel. He wants your life to be so jam-packed, your schedule to be so busy, you ain't got time to contemplate God. You ain't got time to, to read God's Word or spend time with God. He wants to take away all the margins from your life. So Pharaoh says, well, if you've got time to worship God, you've got too much time on your hands, so take away the straw. He tells the taskmasters, the foremen, quit, quit giving them straw to make brick. Let them go find their own straw. And then they got to make the same amount of bricks, the same quota of bricks, find your straw. Well, the people couldn't keep up. So the taskmasters beat the people, and they punished the people for not keeping up the quota of bricks. And so the people are upset, so they go in to see the Pharaoh, and they say to the Pharaoh, in verse number 15 of chapter 5, the last part of that verse, why are you dealing thus with your servants? Why are you treating us this way? There's no way we can make the same amount of bricks and gather straw. So Pharaoh tells him in verse 17 of chapter 5, you are idle, idle, you're lazy. Therefore you say, let us go and sacrifice the Lord our God. Then he says to him in verse 18, go back to work. No straw is going to be given to you, and you've got to come up with the same amount of bricks. And if you want to blame someone, blame Moses. So you can imagine the people, they, they, they know this. In verse number 19, the middle of verse 19 says, they were in trouble. They're like, uh-oh, we're in trouble. We're, we're in big trouble. We're getting beat. We can't come up with a quota of brick. we got to get the straw. The Pharaoh will listen to us. We're in really big trouble. And as soon as they walk out of Pharaoh's room, guess who they bump into? They bump right into Moses and Aaron, and they give Moses and Aaron a piece of their mind. In verse 21, they say, let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorred in the sight of Pharaoh and the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Things are getting harder and harder and not easier. Now they're mad at Moses and they're mad at Aaron. They blame them for what's happening. Moses can't believe it. You're going to see that Moses becomes disillusioned. He becomes disappointed. He becomes discouraged. He's doubting himself. He's, he's doubting his call. He's wondering why God sent him. He's taken God's word. He stood on God's word. He said exactly what God's told him to do, and the wheels are falling off. The very people he's supposed to deliver are rejecting him. Pharaoh won't listen to him. Their, their, their opinion is some kind of deliverer you are. You came here to deliver us, and things are getting worse and worse. Things are not getting better. Now, put, your, put yourself in Moses' sandals for a minute. Think about him. His testimony is being rejected. His worship's being disrupted. His burdens are getting heavier. The persecution getting, is increasing. You say, what in the world am I supposed to learn from this? Learn this. You can obey God and do exactly what God wants you to do, and things can go from bad to worse, and things can get harder instead of easier Moses is suffering not because he did something wrong, 
Moses experienced persecution, difficulty, right in the middle of the will of God, doing exactly what God has told him to do. Doesn't the Bible say all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution? I have students in, 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 in the church I pastor who are trying to live for God. They're going to public school, and they won't cheat. They won't lie. They don't party. They don't get drunk. They try to pray over their lunch. They're trying to live for God in public school. You think that's going to be easy? Absolutely not. It's not easy to stand for Christ, speak for biblical uh, principles when you're going to school. It's not going to be easy. Here's a young person who's a single, looking for a husband, looking for a wife, Trying to find somebody who has biblical convictions that really is sold out to God. Not somebody just says they're a Christian, but somebody who really lives a Christian life that's sold out to God. Somebody's going to come along and say, lower your, your, your standards are too high. You're not going to find somebody like that. Lower your standards. She's attractive. He's wealthy. They're smart. they got a great family. Lower your standards. It's not easy to live for God and keep your moral standards when you're a single adult. There are people who go to our churches that are living in, in, in under the persecution, difficulty of a large corporation that are trying to live for biblical truth and stand for moral righteousness, and they feel isolated. They feel passed over. They, stand, they feel like they're standing for righteousness all alone. Raising children, the process of adoption, becoming a missionary, pastoring a church, all of these are wonderful callings for God for my life and your life, but God never said they'd be pain-free. It's okay, well, what do you do when things go to bad to worse? What does Moses and Aaron do when things go to, from bad to worse? Let me share with you real quickly four things that I can do, four things that you can do when things go from bad to worse. Number one, take your burdens to the Lord. Take your burdens to the Lord. Look, if you would, at verse number 22 of chapter 5. What does it say? It says, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Moses goes back to God to talk to the Lord. And the key word there is returned. It's not like it's his first trip there. Things are getting worse. The people are rejecting him. Pressure's on him. What does he do? He goes right back to God's throne, right back to the place of prayer, right back to unload his burden on the Lord and talk to God about it. Now, you only have two choices. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Don't do it now. You'll embarrass me, but later you can tell me. I only think of two choices you have when things go from bad to worse. You can complain and murmur and bellyache like the elders of Israel did, or you can do what Moses did, take your burdens to the Lord. Moses feels disillusioned, disappointed, discouraged, but he goes to God and prays. And he asks God two why questions. He asks him in verse 23, why have you brought this trouble on your people? Second why question, why have you sent me? He's like, I try to tell you at the burning bush, I'm not the man, Lord. I, I stutter, Lord. I don't know that much. I'm not educated as other people are. Why don't you send me? You should have found somebody else to send. Why don't you send me? So now he's questioning his calling again. Why did you send me? And everything that you're supposed to do for the people you haven't done. That's what he says to God in the last part of that verse. He says, you have not delivered your people at all. Can you feel the frustration in his voice? Like you haven't done what you said you're going to do. You said you're going to deliver them, and now they're, they have to gather straw and make bricks. You haven't kept your part of the deal, Lord. You feel the frustration. You hear the frustration in Moses' voice as he prays. I think this is maybe a crisis of faith, especially a crisis of calling. If you never had a crisis of faith or you never felt like that maybe you're not the person for the job you're in, just hang on, you'll get there. So what do you do when you have a crisis of faith? 
Take your burdens to the Lord and pour your soul out to Almighty God. He can take it. Why? Two times. You know, I think you can ask God anything, but don't, don't watch your attitude. You don't ask God why with your fist balled up like you're angry at God, questioning God, judging God. Like he, You don't ask God why that way, but you can ask God why with a tender heart, with a submissive spirit, with a broken heart, saying, why, Lord, am I in this situation? Please help me know what to do. When things go bad or worse, number one, take your burdens to God. Number two, remember that God is in control. When things are just falling apart around you, remember that God is actually the one that's in control in all circumstances, all situations, whether they're good or they're bad. Look at chapter 6 and verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Moses has talked to the Lord. Now the Lord's going to talk to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. With a strong hand, he will let them go. With a strong hand, he will drive them out of the land. He's reminding Moses that he's in charge. Now the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the Lord, Jehovah. He goes on to say that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not know me by this name, but you know me by this name, the name Jehovah. I'm the, I'm the great I am, not the great I was or the great I will be. I'm the great I am. I am the sovereign God who's in control of all this happening. See, God is always at work in my life and your life and Every circumstance and every situation that we find ourselves in, God is at work in our life, molding us and shaping us into the image of Jesus Christ. See, God didn't save me to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. God saved me to mold me and shape me and make me like Jesus. And sometimes difficulty and hardships come into my life to shape me and mold me to make me more like the Lord Jesus. You can, if you forget, if you forget your anniversary, you're going to probably be in trouble, but your spouse will probably forgive you. If you forget your chapstick at home, your lips might burn a little bit during the day, but you'll survive. If you forget your cell phone, you know, you may have a withdrawals a while, you know, if you forget your cell phone, but you'll survive. But if you forget that God really is in charge, you won't survive when things go from bad to worse. You'll quit, you'll freak out, you'll give up, you'll drop out if you forget that God actually is sovereign and God is actually in control and see, our God in his great sovereignty, he doesn't cause us to sin. He doesn't cause bad things to happen. But God in his great sovereignty, the river of God's sovereignty is flowing to the end of God's plan for us and for humanity. And God is actually in control. I love what he says to Moses when he says, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. You'll see Pharaoh's not in charge. You'll see that I'm in charge. You're going to see. Now it's going to take some time. And there's going to be a lot of stuff happening in the next few chapters. There's going to be some unbelievable miracles. There's going to be some plagues. But you're going to see that in the end, I'm the Lord, and I'm going to bring my people out just like I said I'm going to bring my people out. You will see that the Lord is the Lord, and he's in charge. And guess what? It may take some time. We may go through some real rapids. There may be some real difficulty in this world, even in America, but we will see that our God is reigning over all. He's the king, and his kingdom will come to fruition, just like he says, we will see with our own eyes our God is God, and our God is sovereign. Our God is in control. So he says over and over to him, I am the Lord, I am the Lord, I am the Lord. And you will see there's a collision course going to happen between God and Pharaoh, and Pharaoh stands no Chance. 
The Exodus is going to be a visual reminder. All that's going to happen in the plagues, a visual reminder of the power and control of Almighty God. But listen, I'll move off this point. When difficulty and trouble and hardship comes, lift your eyes to the throne of God and remember God's in control. When Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year King Uzziah died, the earthly throne was vacated. Isaiah lifted his eyes and saw that God was still on the throne. When the earthly throne is vacated, the heavenly throne is occupied. Our God is on the throne. Get your eyes off Pharaoh. Get your eyes off the things that are happening in your life and around you and lift your eyes to the throne of God to acknowledge that God knows what's happening. God's in control. Things may not always be warm and fuzzy, but I know that God is in control. The writer of Hebrews said this way, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus gathered his disciples around him in John chapter 6, and the people were leaving. They were just leaving in droves. And he said to his disciples, will you also go away? And Peter answered and followed him and said, where are we going to go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Where, where's our return? Who is our return to? We got, our, we got our focus on you. We, we, we're going to stay with you. We're going to stick with you. You're the one, the sovereign. You're the one that's in control. When things go from bad to worse in your life and difficulty comes, take your burdens to the Lord. When things go from bad to worse, remember that God is in control. Third of all, when things go from bad to worse, trust in the promises of God. Look what he says in... Um, Chapter 6 in verse number 6. I've got to read these verses for you. You've got to look there with me and see these verses. If you have your pen or your pencil, underline every time you see the words, I will. See the promises that God's going to make to Moses and reaffirm his commitment to deliver his people out of bondage. Chapter 6 in verse 6. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. And I will redeem you with outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give to you as an heritage, I am the Lord. See, dark times do not erase God's promises. Difficult people cannot stop God's plan. So here are the promises, the promises that, that God has given to him. He says, I will, I will, I will. Six different times, I will. God's saying, Moses, don't worry, I'm going to keep my word. Things look bleak, things look back right now, but I promised, and I'm going to keep my word. When I was a kid, I used to love to watch Muhammad Ali box. Muhammad Ali, you know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And you, he was the king of smack talk. He'd tell people, I'm going to knock you out in the fifth round. But you know what? He could back it up. He knocked him out in the fifth round. Michael Jordan was kind of the same way. I hear he was a real, you know, big talker, but he could, he could back it up. Guess what? Our God don't talk smack, but our God can back up everything and will back up every single thing he says, every promise he's made, he will fulfill. And so he says, I will bring them out. I will deliver them. And the, the whole idea of the I wills is God's promise and salvation and deliverance. Sometimes, we know the things we know in our head, but we don't always believe them in our heart. We're always really great in saying, theologically, I believe in the sovereignty of God. But practically, I'm a, I'm a train wreck. 
Like you missed that. Theologically, I believe that God is sovereign and controlled. He's going to keep his word. But practically, I'm a train wreck because I don't trust that God really does know what he's doing. And I can trust he's going to take care of me and his promises are going to come to pass. In verses 6 through 8, just notice some things with me about God's promises and how they apply to me and you. He says really in those verses, I'm going to rescue you from slavery. I will redeem you. I'm going to purchase you for myself. I will rescue you, verse 6. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And I will take you as my people. I'm going to adopt you. I've got, an, I've got an inheritance for you. What you have here is a visual picture of what Jesus Christ does for us when you get saved. What does Jesus do when you get saved? Jesus Christ rescues you from the slavery to sin. He redeems you by his own blood. He adopts you as his own child. He will never disinherit you. He gives you inheritance out of this world. That inheritance is heaven. We have all those things. The promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And has he not redeemed us, as it says in verse 6, with an outstretched arm and took our judgment? That's the picture of the cross. On the cross, Jesus stretched out his arms, and there on the cross, Jesus suffered and died for us and took the wrath and judgment of God for us that he might redeem us and rescue us and make us his own and give us an inheritance beyond this world in heaven. That's what Jesus Christ has done for me and done for you. And we only have just a short period of time before all the promises he's made to us in his church come to pass. Now, John Newton was a preacher who lived in a different era, and he said that Christians should not murmur and complain and bellyache. He said, imagine that a guy, this is back in the day, was in a horse and carriage, and he was going to New York to inherit, inherit millions of dollars. On the way there, the carriage broke down with this man who's He's only one mile away from New York and one mile away from millions. Would he get out of that carriage and kick the carriage and cuss and complain and murmur when he only has one mile to walk to receive millions? To those of us in this room, we only got a little short distance to go before we're going to be with Jesus Christ. Life is short, and it's a vapor, and it passes away. So let's not murmur and bellyache and complain. Let's remember we have promises waiting on us on the other side, and he's going to keep his promises to us. So when things are going from bad to worse, things are sinking in on your life, first thing, do take your burdens to God and load them on the Lord. Second thing is remember that God's actually in control. He's not vacated his throne when things are not like you think they should be. Trust that God is sovereign and in control. And then trust in God's promises. God has given us promises, and they're yes and amen in Jesus. One last thing, and I'm finished. When things go to bad, from bad to worse, just keep on doing the will of God. Just keep on doing the will of God. In chapter um, 6, Verse 13, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, he gave them commandment that they would speak to the children of Israel and to Pharaoh. Well, in chapter 7, in verse 5, chapter 7, verse 5, it says, And the Egyptians shall know, God speaking to Moses, that I am the Lord, when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. That They're going to know. They're going to know. You know, everybody's going to know one day that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father, Philippians 2 tells us. You can either know by redemption or you'll know in judgment. These people knew either by redemption or by judgment that God is God. They're going to know. When they see what God does, they're going to know. And then he says in verse 6, Then Moses and Aaron did so. Just as the Lord commanded them, so they did. 
So in this time, between now and the time that Jesus comes, what are we supposed to do? Just keep doing the next right thing. Just keep doing what you know you're supposed to do. Just get, get in this crazy culture we're living in, this crazy world, what should I do when things are going from bad to worse in America? Things are going to bad to worse. What should I do? Just get up and get in God's word. Spend time in prayer. Share the gospel. Make straight A's on your test. Just keep doing the next right thing. Just keep doing what you know you're supposed to do. Just keep honoring God. Keep loving your spouse. Just keep doing what you know that God wants you to do. Now, we know for, the, for a person who's unsaved, what does that mean? That means God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. We invite sinners. We plead with sinners. We share the gospel that people might be saved. We know we're supposed to be doing that. Then as God's people in God's ministry, do what God's given you to do, what your responsibilities are, carry those out. So when things go from bad to worse, Moses, think about it. I'm going to close on this. Moses, here he is. People wouldn't listen to him. Pharaoh had rejected him and thrown him out. Moses feels inferior, but he's to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. So today, if you feel discouraged, you feel inferior, you, you preach the gospel to yourself and go out and faithfully live for Jesus and do what God's called you to do. So today, I want to encourage you. If things are just seeming to go to bad to worse, take your burdens to the Lord. Remember, God's in control. Trust in the promises of God and keep on keeping on for the glory of God. Let me pray for us. Bow with me if you would. Lord, thank you today for the example of Moses and Aaron. Lord, thank you that we're reminded that even though your people in this day, the horrible time in the nation of Israel, Lord, when they were there in bondage and there in persecution, you grew them into a great nation. You prepared them to go, Lord, out to the land of Canaan. You gave the Canaanites 400 years to repent and get right. You were at work, Lord. Your promises were being carried out right in the middle of dark times. And God, we trust you today. We know that you're on the throne Help us to keep our eyes on you. Lord, help us to spend time, Lord, not complaining, but, Lord, casting our cares upon you many times. Often, Lord, with our kids or grandkids or with health issues, many times we have to keep on, Lord, keep on talking to you, keep on putting our burdens on you to receive strength from you, God. And then, Lord, we thank you that all your promises are yes and amen in Jesus. And, Lord, help all of us today to be faithful, be faithful to do what you have given us to do. We're honored and thankful, God, to be your children. Help us to live Lord, for you and bring you glory, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.